0: Welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Monday afternoon. Joining me from Seattle, Washington, is the machine, Kevin Pelton. Good to be back. And joining us from Oakland, just off uh, doing NBA today on Monday afternoon, is the undefeated's Mark Spears. What's going on, Mark?
1: Man, just uh, trying to figure out the world, brother.
0: So Pelton, this is big. This is big. So this pod comes out Tuesday. Tuesday night, Mark J. Spears is making his color analyst debut on NBC Sports Bay Area. He is going to be the color (laughs) commentator on his alma mater, San Jose State, as they take on Air Force. Spears, this is exciting.
1: I've I've watched... uh... Some really interesting basketball, i will say, over the last couple of days trying to get ready. Um, certainly isn't Duke or you know Gonzaga for that matter. But I'm going to talk about it as if as if it is
0: man. right. Absolutely, I love it. Congratulations!
1: The old college way. try, as they say. I'm <laughs> right. excited, man. It should be fun. I've never done it. Um, I did play college basketball, so always kind of been intrigued by that world. And um, just going to have fun with it. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited. It's uh, I'm, and you'll love this, Kevin, you'll love this. So I'm doing three games. One's the men's game and two are women. And one of the players on the San Jose States women's basketball team is the daughter of Mark Jones or ESPN's own Mark
0: Jones. Oh man.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh And the old assistant coach for the Seattle storm up here was in this, His daughter was an assistant coach at San Jose State, so Jonesy always had that, like, connection and would shout out Gary Kloppenberg, who had just left the organization for that, so I knew that.
0: Man, uh, Mark Jones, one of the best in the business. So who have you studied, uh, Spears? I mean, are you, like, do you want, like, a Hubie Brown Um, sound? Uh,
1: I've, I've watched two Air Force games, watched two San Jose State games, is it for the men? Yeah. So watch San Jose State lose to uh, Air Force and Wyoming. Watch those two games.
0: Yeah, but I mean, who do you want to sound like? I mean, who are you emulating? You want to, you want to sound like um, Jeff? Mark Kellogg, man, that's uh, my guy. Yeah, yeah. uh, you know, class, class.
1: But what, a, what? A, I guess a pinch of Walton. <laughs> <laughs>
2: He had well, a game thinking... last week. It was uh, it was
0: basically an advertisement for the Corvallis, uh Visitor Bureau. I thought. <laughs> um, what about? I thought maybe uh, either Tommy Heinsohn, you know, if you don't like the calls, or you know, Clyde Frazier should be, you know, get that influence on there.
1: Well, I mean, um, Spartans are struggling. They ha- haven't won a game yet in league, and mm. so the angry. Uh, route i think i need a more understanding
0: i see yes you know process, I mean? <laughs> but, process
1: i, I gotta I, I feel like i and i hope they prove me wrong i hope sparty as we call him get the upset but I, I i feel like i gotta get ready for some storytelling
0: understood i love it i love it. well good luck with that i hope it goes well yeah don't watch the warriors in the bay area on tuesday night watch san jose state yeah, Come yeah. On.
1: forget that luke is in town clay may play or may not play
0: yeah clay missed uh we'll talk about this a little later clay missed practice he's missed a game and some practice with um sore knee the same knee towards acl in, so that's a little worrisome um but first we're going to talk about some soreness with the chicago bulls um who have they have they weren't having a very Um, good luck here with, um, injuries anyway. I mean, other teams have had it worse, but, um, you know, right from the start when they lost Patrick Williams, um, either in training camp or right, I don't think he's even played a game has he, Um, His first week of the season. Okay. Um, but you know, they've been without, uh, Javante green and Derek Jones jr have been injured. And then, um, with like in a three day span last week, and then they had, or they had COVID, uh, hit them. most teams have had COVID issues, but they sort of hit them in waves. They were one of the first teams to, to deal with it. Um, and, you know, having, you know, their star players. And then Zach Levine went out with a knee issue. And then um, within, was it three days last week, three or four days, Lonzo Ball out 68 weeks with um, a scope on his knee. And Alex Caruso breaking his uh, wrist and needing surgery after the Grayson Allen foul, which he was suspended for. And so now all of a sudden, Pelton, now, um, as we're doing this podcast, um, Levine has been set questionable for tonight, Monday night's game in Oklahoma City. But the Bulls are have already dropped to third place, and um, they are without their best two perimeter defenders in uh, Lonzo and Caruso now for, you know, you have to assume about two months. And so I, you know, Pelton, you wrote about this on ESPN+. Plus, um you are bearish on the Bulls at this point. Would you would you describe it that way with this uh, unfortunate string of injuries?
2: I, I'm concerned for the Bulls. I guess is the way I'd put it because obviously getting Levine back will be a huge boost to them offensively, and they can start win winning more of these shootouts. And and Javante Green will just help from a depth standpoint because you know the other on Sunday night in Orlando they basically only played seven players is a real rotation. A handful of other guys got you know five to seven minutes each, but there was only seven guys that Billy Donovan was really depending on. So now you can at least push that up to to eight or nine with Matt Thomas at the fringes of the rotation. So, uh, but,
0: a couple of them like two-way guys or guy like hardship yeah. players that they yeah, Tyler, I mean
2: Tyler Cook's on a two way. He he started, started the last right two now. games. Yeah. yeah. With Green and and uh green out. And then also uh, the Derek Jones injury that you mentioned, but defensively, they just haven't been the same team without Caruso on the court in particular. And then especially without both Lonzo and Caruso on the court, this is one of the things I looked at because when I first read of it on Thursday, I was saying like they're, you know, as long as they have Lonzo, they'll be okay defensively, but the minutes that they play without Lonzo and Caruso, or excuse me, as long as they have Caruso, they'll be okay defensively But the minutes they play without both of those guys, they're in trouble. And then all of a sudden, after that flagrant foul from Grayson Allen on Friday night, now it's all of those minutes are going to be without both Lonzo and Caruso. And over the course of the season, in those minutes where they've had neither of those two guys on the court, 40%. Of opposing shots have come at the rim, according to Cleaning the Glass data. It was exactly that proportion on Sunday night as they lost in Orlando. Definitely some shooting luck involved in that one for the Magic, who went 11 of 22 on above the break three as well. The Bulls went three of 17. There was a lot of, you know, rewatching that game this morning, a lot of Admiral Schofield and Ignis Brasdakis threes that I don't know that you can necessarily count on, but also it was a lot of guys go beating a path to the rim. And I think that's what we're going to keep seeing without their defense at the point of attack.
0: Spears, you know Pelton in the story basically posits that without their two best premier defenders, that the Bulls, who have been in first place a big chunk of the season, are in danger of falling all the way down to seventh. And that would be—I mean, I could—I would never have guessed they could be a playing team, but it's—it's something that they got to be worried about, um, based on the the, how tight the East is and and the the severity of these injuries.
1: Yeah, right now it looks like uh, DeRozan and the Miracles, man. I mean, he he had what forty one. Yep, and they still lost. <laughs> like, and and they're typically pretty great when he scores over thirty. Um, nine and three now in those games, but you know Chicago just had nine players available and only had ten assists as opposed to twenty two turnovers. That that guard play is is devastating to him, and it's you know Brian, I hate to see this man because I've been excited about like the Bulls being relevant and um, injury certainly has has ravaged this team. When healthy, uh, their roster is, I think really intriguing, a lot of potential to it. Uh, You know, we don't talk enough about Vucevic and him being a double, double machine and, and what he brings to the table, maybe because it just, he's just not a sexy all-star, but he's still an all-star. I think DeRozan will be an all-star this time around. And, and Zach Levine with his USA basketball experience has certainly turned the corner. So Zach's back. I'm curious to think what, you know, Kevin, what you project they will be if, if Zach is back soon, if you still think they would drop like that, but you know, um, I don't know who's out there to help them, but it, it seems like they're with what they have at stake and, and the fact that those two key guards We'll be back, you know, before the postseason. Assuming they're in the postseason, maybe Chicago has to do something, man. Make a couple moves, be creative in order to try to get some of that that um, that that band aid they need to to get to the postseason.
0: Well, let's talk about Vucevic real quick. Um, he is uh, having a poor season. Um, yeah. You know, his shots are down because they brought in DeRozan. And, um, you know, he's obviously going to soak up a lot more offense. They don't need him as much. They need him to be a little bit more of a role player on offense. He's a, he's a good passer and a good rebounder. He's not a good defender, but, um, uh, you know, he can do a lot more things than just score. So that's what they want him to do. And, and you're right, Spears. He's, uh, he's definitely a double-double machine. He puts up rebounds. He's averaged 11 rebounds the last four seasons or so. But he's having the worst shooting season of his career. Um shooting 43% overall, just 32% on threes. That's his worst three-point shooting in five years. Scoring is down five points a game, uh, three fewer shots per game. Um, and you know, he got outplayed on Sunday by Wendell Carter, who was traded for him with two firsts. Um, uh, Carter had a much better game. He had a terrible uh Vucevich had a terrible game on Sunday, but
1: Lord, I'm sure Carter, you know, wrote that game down on his calendar yeah, too.
0: He's been very outspoken, even though he got paid by the magic. He's been outspoken about how he feels about that. Um, Vucevic is still a better player than Carter, but Carter, you know, the Magic are getting sort of more bang for their buck and more um, ef- uh, efficiency out of Carter this year than, uh, than the bulls are getting out of Vucevic. So, um, you know, Pelton, it, it, we know what I, you know, what, you know, Kobe White has come back and he's helped them. So that's a positive, but I think they, they, they need Nick Vucevic to come back. I'm not saying that, He's been an all-star the last two years. I, you know, I, I'm not saying he necessarily needs to go to that, but they need more efficient play out of him to help them through this time.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's gonna be, you know, if you're not stopping anyone, you gotta just outscore them. And with that group that they have of Levine, Derozan, and Vucevic, they should have the ability to do that. You know, if you, especially if you can get that pick and pop game going with Vucevic and those two guys in the two man game, that becomes really difficult to defend. If he's stretching defenders all the way out to the three point line, in addition to the problems that Derozan and Levine create as playmakers. But you know, I thought, I thought Mark's point is interesting about how active will this team be at the trade deadline. They've got. Derek Jones' contract is expiring. It's about ten million. They've got Troy Brown at five million. So they've got some expiring deals to work with. They've got the first round pick from Portland at some point, which we'll talk about later in this pod that they got in the Larry Nance Jr. deal, along with Jones. And you know that might get you a stopgap solution. Then the real question is Patrick Williams. If you're willing to consider throwing him into a deal now, that gets you into some more serious conversations. We're talking about you know making a run at Jeremy Grant. Uh, That doesn't maybe fit with Jeremy Grant's desire to be a a threat on offense because similar to what we've seen with Vucevic, he'd sort of be, you know, thrust into a smaller role if he were playing with DeRozan and Levine. But boy, that's the kind of player who could, you know, help ensure that they don't slide in the standings.
0: Well, the reason that people in the league are, I have not heard that the Bulls have made that offer, but the reason that people in the league believe that Patrick Williams can get uh, Detroit interested is that number one. Patrick Williams is a Jeremy Grant type of player, you know, combo forward, very athletic, good defense. Grant's a much better offensive player, at least at this point. Um, but the Bulls, two years ago, when um, I should say the, the Pistons, what 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 pick did the Pistons have that year? They had Killian Hayes. Oh, I was number seven. Pelton, is that right?
2: Six or seven, definitely in that range.
0: Okay, so um, the 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 understanding was that. Uh, Troy Weaver, the general manager of the Pistons, in his first draft had promised um, Patrick Williams that he were going to take him. You know, Patrick Williams was a fast riser. He wasn't a starter at Florida State. One of these guys that rose up the draft boards during workouts and the Pistons tried to kind of promise him and keep him from um, you know, working out for teams. I don't remember how that process worked, but it was known that Troy really, really liked Patrick Williams. And so um, – here's an option now maybe to go get him and get a feasible replacement, that type of player for Detroit. And if they're willing to come off of him um, as you, uh, you know, that maybe uh, Detroit would get interested. As you mentioned, uh, Pelton, um, Jeremy Grant, uh, he is the reason he, one of the reasons he went to Detroit when he left Denver was because he wanted to have a bigger role in the offense. He wanted to be sort of the more p- premier player, I think it was actually good business. Um, he also said that he wanted to um, go to a place where, where, where there was an African-American general manager that mattered a lot to him. Um, but I also think it was a good business decision because he signs a contract where he can be a free agent after three years, which is how this deal was structured. And if he goes and is the centerpiece of a team for three years, um, his value, I think, uh, is higher. Uh, he would have been a free agent pretty quickly. And, and he's in position to sign a contract extension this summer, so I think it, I think it was smart for him to do that. So you know he still wants to sign a contract extension this summer. I believe he can get one of over. I think he's eligible for one for over a hundred million. So if he gets traded somewhere, he was going to get traded somewhere where he's going to get paid, and and will be that type of um, player. Uh, I heard that um, I was told that uh, you know he came to or his representation came to the Pistons and said, well, if you're gonna if you're going to trade them, here's a list of teams we, we would be interested in going to play for. And the Pistons are not, you know, even sure they're going to trade them, much less trade them to one of those teams. But the Peabody and Emmy Award winning 30 for 30 documentary film series presents The Tuck Rule, a documentary that examines one of the most controversial plays in sports history. See the legendary Charles Woodson and Tom Brady discuss for the first time the call that changed it all. Watch live February 6th at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Also available the next day on ESPN+. For the ones who get it done, Ranger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer call or click ranger.com or just stop by vivid seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring experience every pitch assist and game winning shot live and in person and the best part each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with vivid seat rewards score unbeatable perks like free tickets surprise seat upgrades and annual birthday deals as official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. So we'll see hey, how Brian, that
1: let me, out. let me add this on real quick, too, from my, um, you know, I've been doing this diary on Kate Cunningham. And it was interesting, like the Pistons have tried to make Jeremy the face of the franchise. Um, which I think is hard when you have a rookie that's number one, it's also rising and, and, and playing great. But um, like they have a mural of him in Detroit and I, I think it was trending into him being the face until he got hurt. Or not even trending. They had made him the face. Um, well,
0: they but, also have. But now it's, it's
1: about Cade there. Right. And I think yeah. with the fans, too, it's about Cade. So I don't I don't know that they've lo- loved him, had him long enough to fall in love with him. You know what I mean? The way they fall in love with some of their other stars.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, look, he did he make the All-Star team last year? I can't remember. No. No. But, you know, he made the Olympic team. I mean yeah. he was you know he he had accomplished a lot so um you know I know that like a lot of Lakers fans are um you know clamoring for the Lakers to trade for him and um I saw a report that uh um you know the Lakers had offered Taylor Horton Tucker um Kendrick Nunn and their like 20 2027 20, first round pick and um I was like uh of course they offered to him that's literally all they have to trade <laughs> they, they they can trade LeBron. They can yeah. trade Anthony Davis or they can trade those three things. The rest of it is all minimum contract guys or like second round picks, 2025 second round picks. I mean, that's all they have. And that's the thing. Like, um, I always say this to people who come up to me and ask me about trades. You know, they, they present their team's trade offer and I go, Hey, that is a good trade offer. That is a good offer for your team. But remember when a player becomes available, the other teams get to make offers too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, like, that would be a, a trade that, you know, especially if the first-round pick was in there, the, the, the Blazers' first-round pick, um, you know, is more compelling <laughs> than a 2027 pick. And Taylor Horton-Tucker, who's not having a very good year this year, and Kendrick Nunn, who hasn't played. Um, so, anyway, we'll see what the Bulls do. Um, a lot of pressure on Levine. And, look, I mean, he has shown he can play well. Maybe he will... Maybe he will step up. Maybe Lucevic will step up. Maybe this will actually be a pivotal um, situation that will help the Bulls. You can't predict these sorts of things. But obviously, if you looked at them the last couple of games, you know they're really hurting. Um, so among the things that um, is going on involving the Lakers, um, uh, Spears, is this concept that you know one possible trade, I think Mark Stein reported on this, that the Lakers could do if they wanted to trade Russell Westbrook would be to, would be to trade for John wall. Um, which is, you know, it's amazing because they've already been traded for each other once. (laughs) Um, and the concept that they could be traded for each other again, is just mind boggling. But, um, the John wall situation continues to be one of the stranger ones in the league because, you know, you have right now in the league, you have Kyrie Irving who's, um, you know all-star level uh, uh p- a point guard can't play in half the games you have ben simmons all-star level point guard who's choosing not to play in any games and you have john wall who not an all-star anymore but still you would think a productive level point guard who is just exiled um and it's very odd and i don't know if anything's going to happen there he's got another year on his contract um and i'm not sure that there is another option for them right now other than Westbrook, not that they want to do that trade. So do you think there's any possibility of that? And, you know, what do you think is going on with John Wall these days?
1: Yeah, well, right now, you know, obviously things change. But to me, the only trade for John could be to the Lakers at the moment. Um, I was told that they have a couple on the table, several on the table. But the only one that's really – has some real, you know, realistic potential to it is, is with uh, the Lakers for Russ. They actually make, I don't know if it's nearly to the same dollar, but the, the, a similar salary. So you can tr- trade them one for one without including anybody else. Um, that 2027 Laker pick that you mentioned before, it seems to be, uh, that first round pick seems to be pretty coveted. Right, and I, I would expect it to be included in such a deal. Um, but John's in um, Miami. He's been working out. He actually asked the Rockets for permission to be in Miami so he could uh, be next near his kids and and focus on working out and pist- the the.
0: Do you know where pist- he's work? Is he working out at the Heat facility? Because that's where Goran Dragic has been working out. Oh, I yeah. wonder if they're like. I, I, the, I don't know. The, the I, Exile Boys hanging out together. I don't even together.
1: know if the, as crazy as this might sound, I don't know if the Rockets really know where he's working out. They're just taking his word that he's stayed in shape and handling his business and using his time to, you know, be around his family. Um, the one thing I think that's interesting about this is, uh, you know, there certainly is an interesting discussion on whether you think this would be great for the Lakers. Um, John Wall is not Steph Curry type of shooter. Not that many people. I mean, he's not an elite shooter, but he's certainly a better shooter than Russell Westbrook is. Um, John's kind of certainly gambled by deciding not to play. So if you acquire him, do you know what you're really getting? You, You assume he's in shape and maybe you'll need some time to get in, better basketball shape, but it's not like, I think the Rockets
0: would probably grant permission to somebody to come watch him work out if that's what he wanted. Yeah.
1: Um, but you know, I I basically have heard that there's a couple other possibilities, but they're more pie in the sky possibilities. And it's not out of the realm of possibility for this one to happen. Like to me, I think as of today, this is the only trade for John wall. Right. And, um, if if it happens and Westbrook does come back, the Rockets get somebody that at least they know. So I I, I was told that they would be open minded. As crazy as this may sound for him to play with this team, but it would be under the same circumstances that they asked Wall to do where it would be probably coming off the bench. So. Would Russell Westbrook want to come off the bench for the Rockets? I think he loves playing, loves basketball, and would get minutes. It just would be an off-the-bench thing, which he's never done, uh, maybe in his whole life. I don't know if he did that at UCLA. Um, But if not, and they make that acquisition, then perhaps they do the same thing they're doing with wall where he just stays in LA and works out and they try to figure something out in the off season.
0: And, well, if I'm and, Westbrook, I don't want that.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. I don't, I don't want to be in exile. Um, and I don't want to give up any money. I mean, one thing that rich Paul has made clear, at least for now, yeah, John Wall's agent is that he's not giving up any money. Yeah. So when Westbrook got benched, in the end of the game uh, last week, and then he flew to Orlando and had a day to think about what to say. And then he gave an interview to Woj where he basically said it surprised him, but he's willing to stay calm. One of the things he had to think about is like, look, I don't want to get traded. I'm with my family in LA. I mean, one of the things he's talked about is even though the Laker experience hasn't gone great, that he's so much happier being with his family because the last two years, in Washington. And when he was in Houston, his family wasn't with him full time after he left Oklahoma city, they went to Los Angeles and, you know, they were with him as much as they could be, but he's talked about it. So he kind of has to go with the program. He doesn't want to get um, either sent where his family isn't or sent into a position where he's either back up or an exile.
1: Does he have a no trade clause?
0: He does not clearly because he keeps getting traded. (laughs)
1: Like I don't, Um, I don't know if the Lakers, you know that's but here's the thing good. with the lakers here's the uh-huh. thing with the
0: lakers i do think in a in a vacuum right pelton that john wall would be a better fit than russell westbrook the thing is for the lakers the thing is though that if you're the lakers you know if you're you know that westbrook's going to be able to play westbrook's health record even though he's had a number of knee issues you know during his career he plays and if you trade for john wall First off, I don't. Be, I think giving up a first round pick is completely not. It's the non starter. I wouldn't even entertain it. They can ask whatever they want. That's preposterous. Yeah. Um, uh, and if they do that, it's it's a complete. They only have one first round pick they can trade. It's just it's in it, it, in my mind, especially as, especially doesn't even save any money. It's the same money. So, yeah. uh, I see that being tossed around. I'm like, forget about that. Um, but I, you know, if the, for the Lakers, like you trade for John Wall, he, you know, you know Russ isn't a good fit, but at least you know he can play. Am I am I off base on that film?
2: No, that's pretty much exactly my take on it is those two things. Is number one, you know, the question isn't necessarily is Wall a better fit for the Lakers than Westbrook would be. The question is is Westbrook plus whatever else you could do if that you're going to have to give up a first round pick to make the Rockets make this deal, you know, whatever else you could get with that first round pick better than Wall. Just by himself. And I think the other aspect of it is what you said, like, well, Westbrook for his other faults is incredibly durable. This Lakers team is already thin as it is, you know, maybe at some point, Kendrick Nunn is able to get healthy and, and contribute and suddenly they've got a little more depth at point guard where you don't need that durability quite as much as you do right now but you know right now it's it's all hands on deck for the Lakers so i think those are the two reasons why you know you can't make this trade but if you're not offering a first round pick the incentive to the rockets to do this deal becomes pretty limited i guess it's basically you hope that over the summer westbrook would be willing to give more back in Uh, a buyout than Walwood because he would have more of a market if he hit free agency.
0: No, I mean, I look look, Spears, Tell me if you think I'm off my rocker here. I I was thinking, you know, when the Lakers came to that realization, I think it was last Wednesday. um, Or whenever it was that, that the front office actually sort of gave the coaching staff, the the nod on benching Westbrook down the stretch. This is a, I know it's just one game in a season, but it's a vital moment for Russell Westbrook. Career moment,
1: too.
0: (laughs) I mean, his – I know this sounds wild. His standing in the league is fragile. Because if he were to push back on his role and get angry and like sort of reject it, and the Lakers either traded him or sidelined him – There's no one to trade for him. And even if he took some sort of buyout, he would get another job, but I don't think it would be an advantageous job.
1: Well, but here's this too. I think the media perception, the just media perception of Russell Westbrook is that he's not the easiest guy for us to deal with, right?
0: Yeah, Probably who cares put, about that? Huh? Huh? I mean who cares about no, what No 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 let
1: me let me finish let me finish In terms of the players his teammates for the most part they love him Yeah and they 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 you know the people working around him love him So it's not like you're 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 talking about some guy that's some like from a teammate standpoint that's a jerk to be around and that he's been like when Iverson was playing for the Grizzlies, it's, it's not like that, you know, He's just not playing well and he doesn't fit. And they, they knew this in practice and training camp that this wasn't a good fit. Um, you know, he, LeBron and, you know, as well as anybody, Brian always has had shooters around him. And those are the players that have had success. And, Russ can't it, – it that's the biggest weakness of his game. So I, I do think while, I guess, you know, health is certainly an issue, from a basketball standpoint, I think that John Wall fits better. And, yes, there is a gamble. He hasn't played. But I'm hearing he's healthier now than he's been in a long time. He certainly rested. He plays a point guard position um, and he gives them a veteran point guard. I, I think, and this is with all due respect to Westbrook that, you know, John Wall is a better fit for that team.
0: Well, I think like, 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 do
1: we think they're miraculously going to get better with Westbrook the rest of the season? If it's, it's been this much of a struggle for everyone involved so far.
0: Well, the the last couple of years, Westbrook did get better, but the one year Houston retrofitted half their roster. And last year there was nobody on the wizards. I shouldn't say nobody cause Beal was there, but you know, it was easier to, to, to retrofit the team, to uh, change the style of play around him. Um, it's just too hard with the Lakers. Um, I suppose if you could do that deal um, wall for Westbrook, the Lakers would maybe consider it, although the health thing is a problem, but I would not add one asset to it. Um, Considering there's no market for John wall, uh, much less. I guess the
1: thing is like, um, I don't know that the Rockets really care, (laughs) you know what I mean? So like, what's it for them? Right. Like,
0: Right, I agree.
1: That's why I don't think it's happening. One for one, like really what's in it for them? They're doing the Lakers a favor. I think they're not doing the Rockets a favor. So I actually, and Brian, this is why I'll probably die on the vine, is that the Rockets ain't gonna do anything unless they get feel like they got something out of it, and getting Russ back isn't getting something out of it to them.
0: Well, the crazy That's just thing is a new problem
1: that they got to deal with getting a first round pick. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll 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 deal with it if you. So, I really don't think that trade gets done unless a pick is involved.
0: The crazy thing is right, Pelton. When they traded Westbrook for Wall, they got a first round pick in that deal.
2: Yeah, it would be one of the most remarkable cases of arbitrage ever by Rafael yeah. Stone. If you get a first round pick coming in and a first round pick going out and it's the exact same players in both trades, like that's well, really they would creepy. they would
0: that's, they would still still be holding Westbrook and they would have two extra firsts.
2: Yeah, they would, that's trading a paper clipping and ending up with a house.
0: Com. sign up today claim based on total games carried on sports networks sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package now let's talk about the play of the week the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavily on the team hypnotic was in the cup blue and ready for the play and boom on yeho tequila came in with a smooth assist to hypnotic's tropical fruit finish shaken strained, poured it was green and good The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Depending, of course, what you do with those picks, but yes. um, So, yeah, I can understand why the Rockets are sitting there sort of looking at each other with... You know, and I can just envision it in my head that, you know, Rob Palinka's is on speakerphone, Raphael Stone and the rest of his staff are listening. And they're like, how about a first round pick? And they're looking at each other. like, think we can get it. think we can get it. Like, that'd be wild. But um, I mean, I guess that
1: the, this is the thing. Do you, do you, if you really, really like, if you think the window's closing and West and, and, and. Wall makes that big of a difference then you do it if you think that. But I don't don't think he
0: does. I don't think he does. does.
1: Yeah. Well, then you don't do it.
0: Like I said, I would say this. With LeBron playing the way that he is, and your hope and belief that that Anthony Davis will come back and play well, even though it would hurt, I think you do probably put that first-round pick in play. But it cannot be to get John Wall. That's that's my feeling on it. Um, So you
1: you so let. Want to ask you quickly? Let's say the trade's made, right? Okay. How do you think both of you guys that Wall would fit in to that Lakers team?
0: Well, he'd fit in better than Westbrook. But again, like yeah.
2: Yeah, to your point, his catch and shoot numbers are better than I remember because I just looked at them during this conversation. He was 38% on catch and shoot threes, the part of last season he did play in Houston, 37% the year before, the previous year he had played for Washington before that. So, you know, that's enough, I think, to keep defenses sort of honest. And obviously, he doesn't need to be as central a part of the offense as Westbrook does.
1: Right. I wonder – the Lakers, to me, are like the Yankees. Like, in, when, you're trying, when you're trying to get a championship and LeBron James at some point, as hard as it might seem because I don't think that he's human, is going to, you know, have an expiration date. But I, I think that they have to try to the best of their ability – to win a championship while he's at an elite level, while AD's at an elite level. So if they don't do it and they fail, misery this season with Westbrook, are they going to regret it? Like I, I think
0: they already I, regret. I feel,
1: it. I feel like he, they might end up as as the as the clock ticks towards the trade deadline. Feel like John Wall's or Obi Wan Kenobi to win a title. <laughs>
0: I'll say, this. I'll say this. There's one giant difference between the Yankees and the Lakers. And the giant difference is, is that the Yankees will spend anything. The Lakers have limits. Um, they spend a lot. I don't want to make it sound like they're not spending. They are spending. They're, they're in the tax pretty well. End.
1: Well, I, mean, I meant it more so from the chasing championship standpoint. And in a lot of ways, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I haven't covered baseball in like two decades, but if the the Yankees are chasing the championship, they don't care about the prospects. They give up in the process. Of course. And I think, like, in the grand scheme of things, is that 2027 first-round pick worth affecting your chances of potentially winning the championship? No
0: absolutely not but it's not worth john wall that's the, i think okay. that's my point you know
1: so they win a championship with with russ
0: no i don't think so and i mean that's what i think i think like if you're genie bus and look they um oops sorry <laughs> they um they definitely want to win i mean like it is like a uh genie bus to win an 18th title and get ahead of the Celtics after all these decades, one of the, one of her father's dreams was to get ahead of the Celtics. I think she would absolutely do it, especially with LeBron. But what I'm I just think if you're sitting in, if you're Rob Palenka and you're sitting across her desk, can you look her in the eye and say this is the trade that's going to, this is the trade that's going to get it. Gonna, so gonna what, get if, what, if,
1: what if LeBron likes it a lot?
2: Wasn't that the problem with the Westbrook trade? That's
1: what I would say.
0: <laughs> I mean, when LeBron put out that tweet last week, where he you know he basically said, "I'm sorry, Laker fans, will be better." LeBron doesn't apologize that often, um, mostly because his game is one that doesn't you know require apologies. Um, but he was not just apologizing for the Denver loss, where they got beat by forty. In my view. I'm not mm-hmm. saying I have it. I'm just saying in my view, LeBron was apologizing for more than just that. So, um, and the other thing is like, I think I almost think you have to be careful listening to LeBron or rich on this because it's, they've got a motive because it's their client, which is why all this is complicated.
1: Now, and remind me who represents John Wall?
0: So I'm saying rich Paul. I mean, I, I I just think you gotta be careful. Yeah. Um, Okay, so um, speaking of complicated, Portland Trailblazers. So Dame has surgery a couple of weeks ago, um, his abdominal surgery. He gave an interview uh, just this last week in Portland, and he said that at the Olympics um, in Tokyo, he was talking to Drew Holiday um, about what his issues were with his abdominal injury. And he was describing it like Drew kept asking him questions. And like, he, you know, does it hurt when you do this? Does it hurt when you do that? And Dave was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Drew's like, you got to have surgery. Because Holiday had a sports hernia surgery like four or five years ago. Uh, happened late in the season when he was with the Pelicans. And um, um, in fact, I think he ended up even going to the same doctor that did the surgery for Drew Holiday. And so like in even the fact that he played this far, like Dame said, his doctors couldn't believe he was when they got in there and did the surgery, they couldn't believe he was playing with this injury. Um, But the interesting thing and why this I'm talking about this is that at the time, the Blazers were like maybe eight games under 500. They had, you know, they just left. They were just about to leave on a, on a six game road trip. Um, they had played 10 more home games than road games and they were the worst, maybe second worst team on the road in the league. Like dead last defensively, like all of the a column was out indefinitely. All of the lights on the, on the dashboard were red. And, um, Dame basically was like, this isn't necessarily season ending, but if we're not in contention, you know, I'll probably shut it down. well, They've gone seven and four since Dame went down with this injury. They just went four and two on this road trip. As as bad as they've been on the road, they've been playing a little better defense. McCollum came back and has helped them out. Uh, And then most importantly, Anthony Simons has replaced Dame and is putting up gigantic numbers in a free agent year. And now all of a sudden the, the Blazers have gotten through the toughest portion of their schedule. Their schedule coming in, Pelton, is quasi-favorable, and they're now where I would have projected them maybe to be sitting in 12th. They're now in 10th with a with a cushion on 11th in play-in position with Dame saying he could get back on the court in three weeks to start recovery. He would still probably need another three or four weeks after that. So now what if you're the Blazers, Pelton?
2: Yeah, it's suddenly become a really interesting question. So they've played the hardest schedule in the league by my estimate thus far. So obviously that's going to bounce back, even though they have more road games remaining than home games. Then you also look at the two other teams in the play, two of the three other teams that are in the play and mix with them right now. It's the Lakers, who we just talked about, the Clippers. The Clippers have, who knows when Paul George is coming back? Who knows when Kawhi is coming back? They also have a really road heavy schedule the rest of the way. The Lakers have played the easiest schedule in the league thus far, and that's going to even out in the second half of the season. I mean, it's very realistic that Portland could end up in position to host a play-in game, not just in a play-in game. And, you know, the the value of that has to be weighed against the alternative side of this is, as we talked about earlier, their first round pick went to Chicago in the, in the deal that got them Larry Nance Jr. last summer. It's lottery protected for several years out in the future. So if you make the playoffs through the play in tournament and give the 15th pick to Chicago, that's the very best pick you can possibly give up. So the whole idea that like they'll tank and end up with a top four pick this year, like Toronto did last year, like golden state with Wiseman when they had their, their entries, that's probably off the table. As long as Simons is playing, they're too good right now. To I didn't do that. think
0: it was off the table by the way, when they shut him down, but now no. it looks like it might be.
2: Yeah. And then it also affects how you play the trade deadline because you've got Robert Covington and Yusuf Nurkic both in the last years of their contracts. You're in the luxury tax right now. Nurkic is
0: all of a sudden playing like, like the best he has in like two years.
2: Yeah, Nurkic has been awesome. He's blocking shots again. Covington has played great. He had been out of the starting lineup. Larry Nance Jr. has also been sidelined during this stretch. And he came back in the lineup and has played his best basketball in his last nine games. They're a top 10 defense since Covington moved back into the lineup that they're, they're precisely number 10 in defensive rating, which is wild given where they started and where they have been much of this season. So I, it's a really fascinating mix. And all of a sudden, I wonder if, you know, instead of Covington and Nurkic being the two guys, they're most likely to trade at the deadline. Suddenly, do you start talking about CJ McCollum and Norman Powell as the most likely guys because of the fact that you want to make sure you've got enough minutes for Anthony Simons, even when Damian Lillard is healthy?
1: Yeah, the, uh, CJ's... Kudos to him, man. He had that really scary injury, a long injury, and he's back. He's averaging 20 points and five rebounds, four assists this month. And I think he's given them a great lift, a great veteran lift, great mental lift, confidence booster. He's just one of those, like, guys that always makes the people around him better. And Dame is such a huge superstar that I think, a lot of times we lose sight of everything that CJ brings to the table. So, um, you know, it's interesting to see this. I mean, uh, they, they have a, I guess you could say interim GM there now, who I believe has the power to do things. Um,
0: well, he I'm keeps, he, he's, he's fired some people.
1: Yeah. I yeah. think they
0: fired, um, let go, whatever you want to call, two a or three time. different
1: PR guru that's super respected and yeah, but I'm talking about Jim yes, Taylor. Jim,
0: Jim Taylor. He's shout out to Jim Taylor if he's God, listening. If if he isn't, I uh, I understand why. But um no, he's he's let go some basketball operations people, he's brought in some basketball operations yeah. people. Yeah, they hired so
2: Andrew his assistant GM, which is not a move you would expect if you're planning to bring in someone over the top yeah. of Joe Cronin they, going forward.
0: They let go their, like, head of health and sports performance. Like, they're making all these moves. Yeah.
1: Chauncey Billups' brother, Rodney, joined the staff. So yeah,
0: that's right. Yeah. Um, they're making all these moves that you would typically make in the offseason. They're doing it in the middle of the season. You yeah. know. Um, and one of the things, quite frankly, that Jody Allen – I mean, this is not a super secret in the league – one of the things that Jody Allen has passed down, the owner, um, the, the, uh, the caretaker of the franchise for her brother Paul's estate, um, is that she wants a more diverse front office and business operation. And so if you look at some of the things that have happened in the last few months um, since Neil O'Shea left, they are hiring and promoting um, uh, people of color and women. And, um, that is a primary focus of what they want to do as an organization. And so what happens on the court is obviously important, but there's stuff going on behind the scenes there. I don't know what that, what does that mean for, um, the future of the organization? What does that mean for, uh, whether they, that they trade players or not? Um, what does it mean for how much they're going to pay Anthony Simons? You know, uh, you know, Simons didn't sign an extension bet on himself and Pelton, I mean, Simon's the way he's playing. I mean, he's uh, he's playing himself into a huge contract. Would it I, make I don't,
1: you? And this is a, probably a super crazy question, but I'm gonna throw it out there. Would this make you more comfortable in perhaps moving Dame? If you could, because you obviously you're getting a superstar back. I
0: don't know, man. I wouldn't.
2: Yeah, that's that's something that uh, John Hollinger at the Athletic broached on Monday, and I it's a compelling point to the extent that yeah, if the argument against training Damian Lillard is we don't feel comfortable rebuilding and going bottoming out going through that process, well, all of a sudden it does look like maybe you don't need to completely bottom out even if you don't have Dame, and you know if you hypothetically had Ben Simmons and some first round picks from Philly to this mix, it looks all the better. But it, it does feel like. Damian Lillard has probably earned the right to dictate how his future in Portland oh, no goes. And, you know, he doesn't seem to be ready to be at that point. He's yeah. by all, ex- well, by all I don't account, know. Still hoping well, the man, you know, but summer.
1: sometimes when you see this, you might feel like when I talk to Kyle Lowry, he's like, you know what? I feel like I left Toronto in a good place. Like, you know, they have Fred, uh, Pascal, OG, like they have some talent. Like I, I feel like they'll be okay without me. You know,
0: help that he was the driving force in winning a ring. It's kind of like LeBron. Like
1: no, no, I uh, know, but that's what I'm saying. But
0: he can do whatever he wants.
1: Yeah, I think he, but he, he seemed to feel like there was some responsibility that he had, having been there for so long, being the face of the franchise when who I left, meaning probably more to the championship than he got credit for. So he still has a great relationship with Masai and talks to him all the time. I think he feels like there's no guilt there in departing.
0: I agree.
1: I agree. And so I wonder if Dame is watching this and saying to him himself, "You know what? They'll be all right without me. Maybe I should explore something else."
0: I would think it's the other way. I would think they're saying, I wonder if we can get somebody to want Simons bad enough, we can make a impactful sign and trade. I mean, that's I don't know
2: if Yeah, that's the way that interview on Saturday is still talking about. Like he I think he feels that same investment in in ownership of the development of, you know, these young players, Nazir Little, who's also been a huge part of the study at small forward in addition to Simons and loves seeing where they've come. But I think he's thinking about get me out there with these guys and let's yeah. see what we can do together.
0: So you tell me, you guys tell me if you think I'm off on this. Um, when I watch Simon's play, he reminds me of Monte Ellis. Um, sort of a little undersized. Um, relative, yeah. he's taller than me, don't get me wrong. But under relative, um, not as quick as Monte, but um absolute gunner. Uh, no fear, will take any shot anytime. Um, just his game reminds me of Monte Ellis. Um and what I mean by that is Monte Ellis was a guy who could really score, but he really wasn't a guy that impacted winning all that much. Not that I'm saying Simons isn't. What I'm saying is Lillard is a guy who impacts winning. You don't. I don't know if that's if he's a replacement for for Lillard, um, but he's certainly improving his value. Number one to his no, own well, his own replaces bank account.
1: Lillard, but if you get another superstar, it's a, just a different look.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure that. I mean, if Philly can't get James Harden, I'm not sure they're like, oh, okay, we'll take uh, Anthony Simons. I, the Simon I guess. Trade.
1: I guess my point is this: Dame has been loyal to a fault to this franchise, and so much has changed. Like the GM's gone, the owner passed away, they haven't won. I really think it's easier for him to ask for it. I'm not saying he's asking for a trade, but I think. With the way they're playing. It could make it more comfortable and easier for him to ask for a trade.
0: Interesting. Very interesting. Um, Before we go another injury I want to talk about. Um, uh, It's almost like, you know, I'm waiting for bad news on uh, Paul George because they just, you know, it sounds like surgery is a real option there. And if he has that, he's done for the year. Um I'm hoping, but I'm waiting. Oh, by the way,
1: Anthony Davis has uh been upgraded to probable for I Brooklyn. saw that.
0: Yeah. Um for the Lakers in Brooklyn on Tuesday. Um I'm worried about I continue to be worried about Draymond Green Spears. Yeah. Um this injury, disc pinching a nerve. They're giving him physical therapy in hopes that that therapy does it, but, you know, look, there are, there are players who've had severe back issues that they've been able to alleviate. Um, LeBron James is one of them. LeBron went through a period where he had some back issues. He had a couple of like, um, uh, pretty intense, uh, injections where they inject something in there to numb things up. And I thought, oh, my God, LeBron's going to, you know, he needed a couple of these injections. And I was like, oh, man, he's going to need surgery. And this back thing is going to impact his career. And he was able to work through it. And, you know, it doesn't show any back pain to me now. I mean, he 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 treats his back every day to make sure it's OK, but he's an example of a guy who worked through it. So it doesn't you know, they give him a the physical therapy for a reason. But to me, this could be the one of the most important things that happens in the NBA this year where Draymond's back is because he's so important to a team that we thought was going to be the title uh, favorite.
1: Yeah. They're they're supposed to give an updated evaluation next Monday. Um, That'll be uh, about two weeks. But if you think about it, like forget Clay's return. He's been out since January 5th. It's been a while. And. I'm getting the gist from talking to folks that he's not really doing any basketball workouts at this moment, and maybe there isn't really a light at the end of the tunnel um, at the moment either. It's, um, you know, you guys remember it with Nash, and it's, it's uh, backs are scary, man. And um, we'll we'll see what it looks like Ask next Ask Steve Kerr
0: about, about back. Yeah,
1: he, so, he, you know, Draymond told me last week that, his calves were loosening, loosening up and he was feeling a lot better, but he didn't really talk to me about how the back part. So, um, yeah, it, it certainly is a very, I'm very curious to see how this, um, and hopefully good news soon, but it seems like, you know, the way the, the Warriors, Warriors do things, they err on the yeah. side of caution, but they miss yeah. him badly.
0: The Warriors, you know, the they, you know, their position that they're taking is we think this physical therapy will help them a lot. I don't think they're, you know, I don't think they're burying their heads in the sand. And let's just hope that's the case. I'm just saying, as I wait for this to see how it happens, I am cognizant, Pelton, of the difference between the Warriors and the, uh, uh, you know, with and without Draymond. It's, it's, you know, I don't know if it's night and day, but it's it's really important.
2: Yeah. I mean, I feel like we felt it. Obviously at the defensive end of the court, you know, he's a leading candidate for defensive player of the year. So that doesn't surprise anyone, but it it seems like it's an element offensively with this Steph Curry slump. We've seen this last couple of games, like, you know, Draymond is a big part of what helps unlock Steph to get free, given all the defensive attention he draws and the fact that they don't have a ton of great shooters around him when Clay Thompson isn't available like he hasn't been I think for these last two games that they've played uh, both narrow wins despite Steph Curry's shooting slump. And, I, yeah, I, I think we're just seeing him get a different different quality of attempts and we're feeling it offensively as well as defensively.
0: Well, that is a big, big update. Um, and, you know, the Warriors have to focus on the games that they're having. Um, you know, they got to let them go through the process. But, who that is – that is really important uh and, and we know i'm sure gonna be talking about it uh last week so or next week i should say hey thanks spears good luck on your um your call air force san jose state on tuesday night um well, spartans
1: i really I hope you down. enjoy
0: <laughs> <I got that laughs> yeah <down. laughs> you had to say that a few times uh, you might say that a few times um belton thank you so much thank you to jackson our producer we'll talk to you later this week